Hello and welcome to Talking Events, the industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News. Today's podcast is being recorded in one of the amazing hospitality suites at Twickenham Stadium. Um, They've been very gracious in allowing us to set up the studio for a couple of days here and record the next batch of episodes. So we should give a big thanks to the events and hospitality team here at the stadium who've really looked after us for a couple of days. And um, we can't stress enough how how fabulous the facilities they've got at at the stadium. Um, On with today's episode, Joining us on the line uh, is Kersha Woodgate, Managing Director at Mexia Communications. Um, And in today's episode, I suppose we're going to be taking it on to a a slightly earlier stage of a a subject that we previously discussed um, on one of the episodes of Talking Events, which is is content marketing, data capture, lead generation. Um, Kersha, welcome to the podcast, first of all. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here. Excellent. Um, a, a shame you can't be in the studio with us, but but really great that you can join us on the line and and um, and help us out with this particular subject. Because as I said, we we've talked in previous episodes about the way that data is captured at an event, but really your experience uh, and expertise, as I understand it, is is looking at how events can actually attract new audiences and, and capture the data prior to them actually even coming to the event. Yes, very much so. So um, I think. You know, the, the importance of data has very much been recognised in the event industry, and people have started to understand that um, you know, data is is great information, um, gives them great power and, and decision making. And I think one of the things that perhaps people have not explored as much as they as they may like to is looking at how we capture data in the earlier stages of the sales and marketing process. So, um, I think for the last, I don't know decade maybe uh, people have relied on sort of email lists that they have of prospects and people who they'd like to target and have for want of a better word used eblast to help secure bums on seats at events mm-hmm. but i think um you know as as consumers and as as b2b buyers we've become a lot more sophisticated in what we're prepared to receive um, and and there's really been a move initially in consumer land but more recently also in business to business as well towards what people term kind of an inbound marketing approach so mm. we're just much more savvy about what we're prepared to to open up in an email what we're prepared to listen to marketing wise um, and I think, you know, that the control of that buyer journey has moved very much into the hands of the buyer. And I think that's one of the things in the events industry that we're sort of just starting to, to open up to is the fact that actually we might need to get a little bit cleverer about how we how we target people and how we find the people who are looking. Absolutely. You mentioned the term speed buyers there. Um, we're not only speed buyers now in terms of how we actually purchase a- a any given item, but we're speed decision makers, aren't we? So h- how much more difficult is it for somebody to, or to get somebody to open an email, for example, that you've sent out when they look at it in their inbox of their mobile device or their laptop and they make a split second decision as to whether or not it's relevant to them and whether or not to delete it instantly? Very, very difficult. Um, I mean, you know, sort of open rates have been diminishing. Um, there's a lot of science around getting the right subject line. But I think what what sort of we've seen at Mexia and what we've been sort of working on over the last sort of 12 months is is looking at some tools that can help us get a lot smarter and get involved with, with people much earlier in that process. So that they're much warmer leads when they receive that email in the first place. And like any good sort of marketing principles, you know, brand recognition is really important. If they have some kind of relationship with you, when that email lands in their inbox, they are more likely to um, spend that little bit longer and maybe, you know, not just sort of delete it immediately and sort of brush it off. 
so that's where things like effective content marketing come into play and it's all about sort of building a relationship early on by giving people valuable content and i think events really lend themselves well to that so you know we have worked with, with clients in other areas as well um where we have to really work on creating the content events create great content in their own right mm-hmm. so i think you know event organizers are actually well positioned to leverage content marketing um in a better way than perhaps other organizations when you look at how you translate the content from an event, um, going back 15, 20 years, you would have had to very much probably have translated it into words and static pictures, static images. Um, what scope have you got now with things like uh, uh, video and infographics? Uh, how much more scope is there to actually create content that's just a little bit different rather than just sending out an email that's just full of words and a couple of images? I mean, the, the scope is tremendous, really, isn't it? You know, you've got all of the, um, you've got the speakers, you can video speakers, you can take vox props at an event live, you've got social media feeds, um, you can do infographics. There are tools like, which I absolutely love, like SlideShare um, is a really, really strong tool to use in the B2B sector. Um, and in fact, you said about attention spans, SlideShare we've seen as being one of the most successful tools because um, people talk a lot about video, for example, but in a B2B environment, in an office, sometimes people hesitate a bit more on playing the video because of the audio side of it. Mm. And SlideShare has a good role to play there in that it's, um, it's, it's, you know, something without the audio side allows people to um, see what's on the screen, digest it very quickly and easily. Um, and, you know, as an event organizer, you've got lots of PowerPoints. You can probably turn those fairly quickly and easily into useful slide shares that you can share, for example. So it's obviously very important to identify if you're targeting a consumer marketplace, a business marketplace. And, and as you just pointed out, little things like people being afraid to open a video in an office environment for fear of attracting unwanted attention or looking like they're not working maybe. Um, It's quite important that people continue to analyze the difference between a consumer and a B2B market in the same way that they've always done in many respects. Definitely. I mean, you know, good content marketing goes back to what I would call good marketing principles in general. It starts by understanding your audience. Um, you know, and if you understand your audience and you take the time to create what we would call marketing personas, actually build on those personas and start to understand what it is that interests them. Um, and, you know, event organizers do this anyway for their events. That's how they come up with their content programs. So they're in a really strong position to come up with, with strong content marketing programs. So once you understand that audience, you can then actually develop um, content around it, whether that's using content from your event, whether that's creating a new blog, new video series or webcast or podcast like this. It's actually creating the content that is going to be useful and valuable to them. And I think that's the key thing with content marketing. You want to attract those people in by giving them value. uh, and, And that's the way they're going to volunteer that email address to you. When we look specifically at... um a B2B marketplace. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at some statistics here in the studio that uh, our researcher has, um, has, has, has uh, sent to me. And this is a, a document that was published um, earlier on this year by the Content Marketing Institute in North America. So it is specifically referenced to, to, to North America, but I think it's fair to say there are a lot of parallels between certainly the, 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 the European market and the North American market now. And some of the statistics that we're looking at here, that only 30% of B2B marketers say that their organizations are effective at content marketing, which is down from 38% in 2015. 44% of B2B marketers say their organization is clear on what content marketing success or effectiveness looks like. So 
two different strands there. I think we've got, uh, again, a, a, a statistic that shows that the effectiveness of the communication in some instances is dropping in the opinion of these marketers, but also that there's um, perhaps a, uh, a jumbled message as to what effectiveness actually is. So let's address those two things. Perhaps the second point, first of all, how do we, how once we've delivered a campaign, how do we actually measure now whether it has been effective? And I think that is the challenge. I'm familiar with that report that you, you referenced there. And, and you know, the, the sort of top line of that is that 88% of B2B marketers now use content marketing. Um, and But you're right in that there's still question marks over how effective it's been. And one of the challenges is that most of them, I think it said something like 32%, um, only 32% have a documented strategy. And that's the bit that's missing. So people are not sure exactly what they're measuring. Yeah. Um, and then it becomes difficult to know if you've achieved it, of course. So I think, you know, how do we address that? I think it starts by, by having a strategy. It starts by knowing who your audience is um, and what your objectives are. I, I think that Content Marketing Institute report actually referenced the fact that um, generating leads, not specifically sales, so in, in, in the context of events, and generating prospects that may be interested in registering, hmm. um, is the primary goal for content marketing. Yeah, I'm looking at the report now. Lead generation is at 85%. Sales, 84%, yeah. will be the most important goals for B2B content marketers. So, so they're looking really maybe not to... Well, th of course, people are looking to convert, but they're looking for those new names, aren't they? They're looking for people that are not on their exactly. database, that haven't interacted with their organisations before. Exactly right. And, and to, to get those, you know, and the thing is, what, what content marketing can do um, if it's executed properly is actually capture highly valuable leads. Um, I mean, how you actually measure it is, is a whole sort of topic in itself. Absolutely. Because yeah. it's, it's, you know, what tools are you using? Um, for us at Mexia, we've been working for um, the last, I guess, 12 months or so now on a platform called HubSpot which is a market-leading inbound uh, marketing platform. Right. And for us, that is one tool. I mean, we've used lots of different tools. Um, that is one tool which kind of pulls a lot of things together. So from a single platform, we're able to see which blog posts are successful, where, uh, where leads are captured from, where the downloads are coming, um, and really get a good picture of all of the content and what's working quite well. Um, so I think, you know, looking at the tools that are out there is one of the ways of, of helping um, people measure the effectiveness of their content marketing. Because, of course, I in, in the modern scenario, when we, when we talk about content marketing, when we talk about messaging or communications of any nature, is it fair to say that, that that's predominantly now done via digital platforms, that the, 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 the print element of it is, is becoming less and less prevalent because we can't monitor it as effectively? I think th that that is true. I think you know marketers are attracted by what can be measured because there's been a lot of pressure on marketers to prove their worth over the last few years. Mm. I mean, I first came into marketing 20 years ago, um, and you know the pressure on marketers now has just changed dramatically. I think there's a risk there, though. Um, you know, there are still some incredibly valuable. Um, marketing and communication tools out there that are just more difficult to measure. Um, you know, brand, sponsorship, PR, those sorts of things, they do add a lot of value. Um, I think print publications um, have really changed their strategy as well. You know, publishing companies obviously adding to the, the digital element. Sure, yeah. um, and, you know, they also get to see how it's working. But I think print does still have its place. Um, and I think, you know, um, me measurement is, you know, there's lots of different ways you can measure. You can measure perceptions, brand value, um, and digital isn't the only thing out there. In fact, in the Content Marketing Institute report, they actually talk about um, live events as being the most effective content marketing tactic, which is interesting for events organisers. 
And 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 so let, let's expand on that point then. Uh, give us some examples of how a live event could actually use that to to to, to generate or, or for their content marketing strategies. Okay, so um, maybe I can give you an example of, of what we do ourselves. Yeah, um, yeah. So for us, for example, we have a um, our blog, which um, does very, very well. We get some great traffic, great interaction from that. We have um, content downloads. Um, and in addition to the actual, so that's the digital content, if you like, um, we also run a series of seminars, um, which are sort of how-to, you know, mini, mini, mini workshops, a couple of hours or so, um, and then the, the content at that event is obviously then incredibly valuable. We were able to give, deliver face-to-face -face a more detailed version of some of the content on the blog and in the papers, if you like. Right. Um, so we see that as a delivery mechanism for our content marketing. So a double-edged sword. So, so, so you're enticing them with the content on the blog and then offering them the yep. opportunity to expand on that via a, a, a live event. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that's, that's kind of how we do it. I mean, for event organisers, um, it might be might be slightly different, you know. Get, getting the message out there that if the event is their key their key um, tactic, if you like, um, mm. then sort of you know thinking about well, how do we get this message out there, or multiple messages, and how do we deliver those different strands to different audiences? Um, it's kind of really about developing the content at that event, and and probably looking at all things like you know I don't know meetings design even or principles slightly different from um, from the way we're we're approaching it probably. As a communications company, um, how how difficult has it been to, to stay at the forefront of how things have developed, and and how tricky is it to then make sure that clients working in the events industry are aware of these developments and and staying up to speed with it as well? Are, are they tough to change old habits, or uh, are you finding, or have you found that clients have been quite adaptive to to the change in how things are done? I think it's it's a bit of a mixture, really. Like anything, you always get the early adopters um, who try things out and are a bit more willing. Um, so, but in terms of how, as a communications agency, you know, we're coping with the changes. There are a lot of changes, and there's a lot of discussion um, in sort of communications and marketing circles about almost the kind of you know grey areas of what is PR, what is what is digital, what is SEO. You know, there's a lot of crossover now mm. um, with communications, and I don't think you can just stay siloed anymore. Um, and for us, we've been quite sort of early adopters of, of digital approaches. I, I, I don't know if it's related to the fact that I sort of always worked in technology before events. I've always been quite keen on, on tech, a bit of a tech head. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of embraced social media very, very early on and started working with clients to help on that front, um, moved into sort of looking at sort of blogging and digital content, ebooks, white papers, and really getting to grips with. I think that's one of the other things is as, as marketers and as communications professionals, you actually need quite a lot of technical skills now. You actually need to know quite a lot of different platforms in order to leverage them effectively. Sure, um, yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things that we've, we've sort of done quite a lot of um, because we think, you know, that adds a lot of value to, to the clients, really, um, because, you know, as marketing teams, you can't be expected to know every single thing. So, so some specialist platform knowledge, I think, is, is of value, and clients appreciate that. Um, you know, the, the sort of content marketing and inbound marketing is still very, very new. Yeah. So people are still getting their heads around how can that work because it does require a bit of a shift. You know, if it's been working for you, sending out the email list, just keep sending them and you'll get your registrations, then why why would you change? But I think people are seeing the need to change slightly. They're seeing those email, that kind of e-blast approach, maybe not quite working and are looking for smarter ways of, of delivering results. 
And, and and when we talked, going off track ever so slightly, but um, you, you mentioned the sort of the effectively the skill set there of of, of marketing or, or communications professionals. Um, there will be smaller events out there, no doubt, smaller to medium-sized events who maybe have managed their own communications or managed their own publicity or marketing, however you wish to term it, who are maybe unsure about taking the leap into sourcing a communications agency to support that delivery of them. Are, there, are, there s uh, are these very much criteria that they should be looking at now if a smaller event there is is looking to identify even just an individual to come and support them? They really need somebody who is who is multi-skilled now, who can be adaptive to a number of different strands of, of what is termed under marketing. I, I think it really depends on their goals, and certainly if they're looking to, you know, if they're looking to grow, if they're looking to get a bigger event and get, you know, um, sort of more registrations and, and sort of have longevity as well. I mean, that's one of the other things about content marketing is it gives you that kind of longevity of um, build and nurture relationships over the long term. Um, then I think, yeah, it's, it's good to have some specialist support. Um, you know, that the, the sort of platforms and the skills required are, are multiple nowadays so it really depends on on what their goals are um so yeah i mean looking for looking for practitioners that can help them with um with different aspects whether it's um digital communications or other marketing yeah. um tactics then yeah that's probably a good good move when it comes to, to to lead generation finding new new customers and new people to interact with um how how can people use social media to a to a greater extent than they are at the moment? It would be fair to say that that the vast majority of people now are familiar with the with the basic principles of using the the the, the common social media platforms. But uh, are we at a, a point now where perhaps we're from a marketing perspective and a communications point of view, we could actually be diving into those in a little bit more detail and using them a little bit more effectively than we are at the moment? Definitely. I mean, I think. You're right in that you know, social media has become kind of ubiquitous now and sort of expected that you're involved in some way, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, but I think my, my gripe, if you like, is always that there's, there's too much talk and not enough listening on social media. There's a lot of push out, particularly Twitter, um, and not enough sort of listening and interaction. So but there are people out there who, you know, if you take the time to actually listen, um, following certain hashtags, for example, something very simple like that, mm. or perhaps creating lists in Twitter of key people that you think you'd like to interact with and looking at their posts and interacting with them a bit more. There's definitely ways you can get a bit smarter um, about about social media. And I think, you know, from a B2B perspective, um, LinkedIn is something I think people have not really tapped into enough. And that Content Marketing Institute report you, you mentioned earlier, um, LinkedIn comes out as the top most effective social media in that research. 66% um, rated LinkedIn the top um, social media platform. Yeah, um, yeah it, we're not really, well, from my own personal experience, I've got a LinkedIn profile, but um, how often do I use it? How often do I actually use LinkedIn as a means uh, of interacting with other professionals? I would say it, very, very little, certainly by comparison to, to Twitter and Facebook. So um, have, you, have you worked with people to actually help improve their knowledge of that particular platform? Are there any examples where you've actually said to people, this is how you could be doing a little bit more effectively? Um, yeah, sure. We've certainly worked with quite a few clients on, on LinkedIn um, and on our own stuff as well. And I think that the thing about the social media, the different platforms, is that they evolve all the time. Um, and I think in particular for LinkedIn, the, um, the ability to do the personal posts, which is probably one of their newer newer changes in the last year or so, I think it was, um, maybe maybe a year and a half, 
that has been a big change. And I think people are sort of looking at those a little bit. I mean, groups were um, considered quite valuable. I think the value of groups has gotten a bit more questionable. Certainly some groups are more valuable than others. Some have become a bit overwhelmed by sales messages, to be honest. Um, but certainly, you know, using LinkedIn by sharing relevant, valuable content, it all goes back to that valuable content relevant to your audience, sharing yeah. content and also yeah. interacting with people. You're looking at, like I said, it's about listening again. It's about looking at what others are putting putting out there, whether it's a post on their personal profile, whether it's on their company page. That's one of the other things we see. People don't often have company pages, and they're a great tool um, on LinkedIn as well for, for sharing your content and getting people to follow you. Um so, you know, there's lots of ways you can use LinkedIn effectively to help help drive traffic to your website and to capture those leads as well, which obviously if you're taking a, an inbound marketing approach to capturing leads, that's going to be one of your goals. And, and LinkedIn can be a great tool to help with that. I, I'm interested in, in, in going back um, ever so slightly to, to something you mentioned earlier on in, in today's episode, which was uh, uh, the science behind the subject line, because... It w would you agree that, that e emails is still very much an effective way to market to people? Uh, I think the vast majority of people, certainly in the communications industry, would agree that we need to be a little bit smarter in how we distribute and issue out email marketing. It's not so much of the blanket bombing that we were doing five, six years ago. Um, but it, it, how do we now effectively put together a, a subject line? And does the science behind it have any SEO impacts? Is it, it, how does it work? Well, I think, I think you're right, first of all, that email marketing is still incredibly effective. I'm not saying that email marketing doesn't work. Quite the contrary. Um, you know, email marketing is effective, but to make it even more effective, it, it, it works better if the people receiving it are, are, if you like, warmer warmer leads. So they are people who've had not just a cold email from you. They're people who've maybe checked out your website, checked out your blog, maybe mm -hmm. downloaded some content. So they're more likely to think, oh, that's an email from someone I want to read, first of all, before they even look at the subject line. So, yeah. so that, that, that's a strong starting point with, a, with an effective content marketing approach. Then getting the subject line right, again, it comes back to having those marketing personas sorted out and what is going to attract them. Um, and I think you, the other thing which people perhaps are not doing enough of is just basic A-B testing of subject lines. You know, you can, you can do that very easily is try out a couple of different ones with yeah. a sample, see which one gets the most open rates, and then do, do the, the whole list with, with that one. Um, and that, that's something very, very simple. Um, and there's, there's, there's some great tips. Even something like MailChimp, which I know is, has become quite a, a key Email yeah, fairly ubiquitous in some respects, isn't it? Uh, you know, most people will be familiar with the platform now and, and will have had some experience okay. of either receiving or using uh, the system. Exactly. And they have they have some fantastic tips. They let you test your subject line, for example. They, they let you test it for effectiveness yeah. um, and yeah. they will give you tips on what, what works and what doesn't. Um, you know, and, and using things like free in there, which people often tempted to do, often can actually have negative impact. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's actually just looking through who is the audience and, you know, what, what, is, their, what is their objective, what, it, what do they want the audience to, to receive. Um, it, it really does change according to the audience. So, you know, and things like if it's a newsletter, for example, it's actually better to just say it's news from rather than trying to put something a bit smart in. That's something I remember um, being a bit surprised by, um, you know, but, but sort of saying what's actually in the email is actually more effective often than trying to get a bit too clever with, with the, the headline. So sometimes simple can be, uh, can be best when it comes to actually getting people to open it, say what's on the tin. It, it, it can indeed be. But I, I definitely would advocate advocate um, doing some A-B testing. 
um, I think I think that can really really be valuable, um, and seeing seeing what works, you know. And, and just just on a last point about a system like MailChimp, but really we could be talking about any of the platforms that are out there um, to, to deliver email marketing. Um, is subdivision of a, of a larger database something now that people should be paying more attention to? I know a number of, 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 of companies and organisations now who, rather than sending en masse to their entire database, will only send to subdivided lists within that mass database for two reasons, so that they're not sending out as much at once, but also so that they can monitor specific areas or target audiences a little bit more effectively in a, a, sh a s shorter period of time. I think that's absolutely essential, to be honest. And I, I think, you know, what I talked about right at the beginning about creating your marketing personas, um, that's, that's the starting point, is actually segmenting the list according to those personas, absolutely. Um, and certainly that's the approach we would take with our inbound marketing and the tool that we use. Um, is that we send campaigns out according to each persona. Um, and we also use automated um, automated workflows and things like that as well. So, you know, if, if, someone, if someone does this, then we can maybe send them this piece of information because it shows that they're more interested, for example. So those are the things where you can get a bit smarter and it definitely, definitely needs to be tailored to different segmented lists. I would, I would, I would say that's the starting point, really. The, um, b before we wrap up today's episode, the, the, um, the, the final thing I wanted to, to ask is, it, it, I remember asking people a, a couple of years ago about the, the idea of, of continuation and continuity of communications. Um, a lot of events used to ramp things up in the months running up or the weeks running up to the particular event and then would go quiet very, very quickly. I think it's fair to say with the, the rise of digital marketing has made it easier to maintain a level of continuity over a longer period of time, but is there still a way to go before we're doing it properly? Uh, have events, generally speaking, started to make sure that there is an, an element of continuity with their marketing throughout the um, throughout the year or in a wider period of time? I've certainly seen evidence of that. With um, you know, I'm, I'm obviously on various lists for, for industry events, and certainly I think that has improved. You know, there's there's more consistent communication over time. Um, so yeah, I think the event industry is, is getting better at that, and I think there's there's lots of um, lots of opportunity for it. I, I think the bit that we could maybe do even better is is having some rich content, so it's not just a a general kind of email coming in, but it's actually offering some value, some kind of rich content, whether it's a, a paper, a video, something useful to to the recipient. I think that's that's the next step. The other thing I wanted to ask is 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 could events be generating content during the event itself? with one eye on how they're going to communicate for the subsequent event? Definitely. Um, you know, sort of capturing some of the content that's going on uh, is, is a natural um, natural thing to be doing, videoing, etc. But certainly um, for the subsequent event, you know, maybe getting ideas from people. Um, I mentioned sort of Vox Pops and things like that earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe getting snapshots, talking heads pieces from speakers that might be coming for next year's event while they're there because once you've got everyone in the room it's a perfect opportunity and that's one of the great things about live events that, that perhaps other marketing professionals don't have as much um, as much access to you've got lots of people in one place for the event so definitely you need to maximise that opportunity absolutely and, and we've all been there you know the, uh, we've all seen organisers get to the end of the event and think oh I didn't get a photo of, of that or oh I wish I'd have videoed that or so on absolutely. and so forth so but perhaps it's worth you know the events considering having somebody absolutely dedicated to that you know from the offset that, that, that there's going to be somebody there capturing information and capturing content 
with one eye on how they're going to market and generate leads for their future events? I would say that's that's definitely going to be the savvy approach, um, you know, because it's such a goldmine, as you say, when everyone's there. You, you know, once 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 the event's over, you've missed that. You haven't got those pictures. You know, you haven't got that video. You haven't been able to speak to people, take box pops. Um, there's even I did see I forgot what they're called now. I did see these little kind of YouTube capture booths. I don't know if you've seen those at yes. events where people yeah. can get into a little sort of you know things like that. Just sort of capture as much as you can, and it will give you an awful lot of material to sort of drip feed out and make the most of. I always say content's a bit like a sponge, you know, wring it out, repurpose it, use it in lots of different ways um, and make the most of it. Excellent. Kersha, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they uh, find you on the social media platforms or on the web? Um, obviously, Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter is at MexiaPR. That's me personally. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Happy people to, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn as well, Kersha Woodgate. Um, and, you know, Mexia Communications is a company. I'm sure you can find us on the web if anyone wants to phone as well. Excellent. And if anybody's got any questions or, or, or comments on today's episode, tweet us at Talking Events. Um, we need to say thank you to Kersha Woodgate, Managing Director at Mexia Communications, for, for joining us today. Kersha, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you once again to Twickenham Stadium for hosting us for the la uh, these latest episodes. And you've been listening to Talking Events. Mm -hmm.